Good morning, church. Good morning, church. <laughs> We're glad you're all here. Thank you for coming and, and being with us this morning. This is a beautiful day for us to be able to be together and celebrate God's presence, and I thank you for being here to be part of that. If this is your first time here, there should be a Connect card in the pew rack in front of you. We would ask you to take that and fill it out. If you have prayer requests or issues that we need to know about, put it on that same card, drop it in the offering plate, and we'll be in touch with you and try to minister to whatever your need is, but we're glad you're here. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome. We are glad that you're joining us. You can go to the address you'll see on the screen and do all of the things that I have just said, except you can't drop it in the offering plate. Just send it to us and we'll try to respond to you as best we can, but we're glad you're joining us as well. We hope that you will continue to do that. Uh, one announcement that I need to make this morning, so keep this in mind. We are going to be having a unified service at 11 o'clock next Sunday morning. Uh, we had originally planned to have a couple of services, but we made the decision that we want everybody to see the new team that's going to be leading the 945 service. We think you'll be very excited by that. And so we're going to have coffee and donuts, and then we're going to have life groups, and then we're going to have a unified service at 11 o'clock. We hope that you will come and join everyone else as we gather here for a very special day, a day that I think everyone will be pleased with. If you're visiting here for the first time, we do this every Sunday, so keep that in mind. <laughs> Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to have a voice. I thank you for the opportunity to make that voice known. I thank you for the opportunity to be a family of faith that draws together no matter what the situation happens to be in front of us. I thank you that you are the one who, who calls us to come together and be a united family that's trying to make a difference in the world, that is on mission. Today, we come here as part of that family. We come here to worship you. We come here to celebrate you. We come here to love you. And we come here to know your presence. Invoke your spirit upon us as we gather here, O oh Lord, and let everything we do be pleasing to you because this is all about you. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, we gather here as your people brothers and sisters in Christ, to express our gratitude for the amazing abundance of our life in this world. Indeed, our lives overflow. There is such an abundance of things, and we are grateful for these things that, that make our lives easier and more comfortable. But more importantly, you have given us an abundance of spiritual wealth. You've surrounded us with loving family members, with a gracious community of faith, with evidences of goodwill and encouragement, with your grace and your mercy, with love and compassion. You've set us in a land where the gospel is freely shared, and you've blessed us with this table that we will gather around in a few moments and where we will celebrate your kingdom of remembrance and recall the great sacrifice that you made because of your love. Our cups overflow, and we are grateful. Oh God, while our lives are filled with thankfulness this morning, we also hold before you this morning the concerns of our hearts and all those who have special needs today. And even while we hold them up in prayer before you, we ask that you would reveal to us ways of sharing who we are 
and what we possess with those who long for relationship, for those who are lonely, with those who have need of food or clothing or shelter or medical care or anything else that we have in and of ourselves to offer. Help us to be the presence of Christ. And remind us again that your kingdom is like a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, which when it grows is large enough for the birds to come and and to nest in it. So consecrate our imaginations, consecrate our dreams to your service so that your kingdom can blossom just like that mustard seed. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in sowing and to trust that you will be faithful in causing the seeds we plant to grow. So anoint our hearts, Lord, with love. Show us your face. Show us the face of Christ in one another and make your presence real and tangible through us. Oh God, it gives us delight to worship you. It nurtures our souls. It gives us a greater sense of your kingdom and your place in our place in it. So as we worship, give us diligence to seek you, wisdom to perceive you, patience to wait on you. Grant us a mind to meditate on you, eyes to behold you, ears to listen for your word, a heart to love you, and a life to proclaim you when we leave this place. And may the music we sing, may the spoken and silent prayers lifted up, May the proclamation of your word glorify you and bring you good pleasure, for we offer it in the name of Jesus, our anchor, the author of our salvation, who taught his disciples to pray and teaches us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It's the story of the Hebrew story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. Evening came, and then morning the first day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King Duncan tells a story about driving across country on a vacation with his family on the third day. They were driving across the great plains of Kansas when all of a sudden his five-year-old son Tyler spoke out and he said, Daddy, it really is flat out there. You can look farther than you can see. 
King was a Methodist preacher. He wasn't about to let a line like that go to waste. So as soon as he got back home, he wrote a sermon that was called Looking Farther Than You Can See. The truth of the matter is sometimes it takes a child's point of view in life to know that something is so different that it needs to be spoken even if what they're saying does not quite make sense. It's still profound despite that fact. That happened to our family about 30 years ago. I probably told the story at some point over 20 six years but my daughter Catherine when she was four years old we went up to visit my mother the little farm where I grew up was about 90 minutes north of metro Atlanta where we were living at the time in the city there's lots of light pollution and that you don't have when you're out in the country that night it came time for us to go home we were gathering the kids together and getting them in the van when all of a sudden Catherine just went missing so I started trying to find her she was standing down in my mother's front yard and she was just staring at the sky. And so I went down and I said, come on, Catherine, it's time to go home. When I did, she looked around at me and she said, Daddy, look at the stars. There must be 50, 11 of them. <laughs> it never occurred to me until she said that, that Catherine had always lived in big cities, so the, the, the light pollution had kept her from seeing everything except the very brightest of the stars. But out there in the country, she could see all of the stars, and it was a glorious sight to her. The sky was full of light, and there had to be 50, 11 of those stars. Most of us as adults would have just taken that for granted. We had seen that sight hundreds and thousands of times, and so we wouldn't have noticed it at all. But Catherine didn't take it for granted. For the first time in her little life, she was looking farther than she could see, and it was magnificent. And she wanted all of her family to stop and see what she was seeing. That's what I want us to think about this morning. What does it mean to look farther? further than you can see? What does it mean to have an imagination that dreams about the best things in life? And how does faith affect those dreams? Back in 2009, Susan and I went to San Francisco on a trip that the church gave to us. It was in celebration of my 30th anniversary in the ministry and our 30th wedding anniversary. That was a great trip and we thoroughly enjoyed it. One of the sites that we went to see that I had always wanted to see was the Golden Gate Bridge. It was one of those sites that I'd heard about all my life and I'd seen pictures of, but I really wanted to see it because it's a fascinating thing and I also knew the story of Joseph Strauss. People had been dreaming about a bridge that would connect both sides of the San Francisco Bay for years, but nobody had ever tried to build one because they thought it would cost too much and they just thought it was impossible because there were too many obstacles to it. The San Francisco Bay is very deep. It has some of the strongest currents in the world and sometimes the winds that blow up that bay can reach almost hurricane force winds. They simply did not believe it would be possible to build a bridge under those conditions. But Joseph Strauss was an engineer and he had a big dream. He stood on the east side of that bay. And he not only dreamt of a bridge, but he also imagined what that bridge would look like. So he went back to his study and he started drawing that bridge. He worked on it for weeks. And then when he finally got it like he wanted it to be, he took it to the city fathers and he showed them the, the plans that he had for 
for it. And the city father said, your plans are beautiful, but we don't think this can be done. Strauss thought about what they said for just a few seconds, and then he said something amazing. He said, God didn't cr just create us to dream great dreams. He created us to make great dreams come true. I know how to build this bridge, and if you'll fund it, we'll build a masterpiece. Those men still weren't sure that that bridge could be built, but they had confidence in Joseph Strauss's confidence. And so they decided to fund the bridge. And, and just four years after he presented that plan to them, they dedicated the Golden Gate Bridge, which is listed by the, in the United Nations as a world landmark. Joseph Strauss was one of those people who looked farther than he could see. And that dream, that vision, not only opened a new avenue of commerce for San Francisco, but it gave our nation a landmark that's so beautiful that tourists from all over the world come to see that thing. God didn't just create us to dream great dreams. He created us to make his dreams come true. You and I were created to dream. Why? Because dreaming is absolutely essential to the development of our personal faith and if we want to become the people that God wants us to become, then we will have to have not only great dreams, but God's dreams. There's a very important connection between dreaming and believing, between imagination and the growth of our faith. And if we don't have a dream, we are going to get stuck in anything that we start to do. And that's particularly true when it comes to our faith. But if we have a God-inspired dream, there is no limit to the possibilities that God can bring to life for us in our personal lives and through us to the world in which we live. How do I know that? I know that because we are created in the image of God and God is a dreamer. God created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. We are the produce of the imagination of God. We are produced in the image of God, and everything that God created was born from his divine imagination. Let's look at Genesis 1, 1 through 5 one more time. This time I want to read it from a different translation. In my opinion, certainly the most beautiful translation that was ever done of this passage was done in what is now a very, very old translation. It was called the Modern Language Bible. It's not even in print anymore. I don't think it was all of uh, all that, that well received at the time just because of the time in history that it came out. But this passage of scripture is more beautiful in this translation than any other listen to this in the beginning when god created the universe the earth was formless and desolate the raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness but the power of God was hovering over that darkness. Then God commanded, let there be light, and the light appeared. God was pleased with what he saw. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and he named the light day and the darkness night. Evening passed and morning came, and the first day of creation was born. 
This is a beautiful piece of literature, and what it reveals is that one of the key aspects of the personality of God is imagination. God looked at a dark and formless void, a world that was utterly desolate, and he dreamt of something more. He dreamt of something beautiful. He dreamt of something better, and then God acted to bring that dream to life. We're created in God's image, which means our identity is shaped by dreams, just like the universe was shaped by God's dreams. Our happiness, our achievements, our joy, our purpose, our fulfillment, they're all shaped by our dreams. But a God-inspired dream is bigger than any of those things. It's bigger than all that we can imagine. Why? Because a God-inspired dream has eternal implications. Divine dreaming is the first step that God uses to change our lives into something more, something better, something that's a blessing on earth and in heaven. Every step of faith starts with a dream. In the beginning, God created. God imagined, and then he spoke his imagination into existence. Now, before we go any further, let me say something else that's very important here. It's something that we need to realize. The Bible is not a science book. The ancient Hebrews were a pre-scientific people. They, they didn't have any knowledge of science. They weren't trying to produce a scientific document of how the world was created. The biblical story of creation is not a scientific revelation about the how of creation. If you want to know how and when the earth was created, go to science. If you want to know why and for what purpose the earth was created, then you go to faith. But don't confuse those two. The book of Genesis isn't designed to tell us the scientific how of creation. The book of Genesis is a poetic story that's designed to tell us that God's divine imagination is behind everything that's good, everything that's beautiful, everything that's wonderful in life. The earth was a formless and desolate void, but the power of God was hovering over it. God had a dream, and by his power, that dream, that plan could come to life, and that's great. But the question that we need to ask ourselves from that is, what does that have to do with us today? What does it have to do with life in 2023? Well, I think the answer to that is very simple. Our world needs a new vision. It needs a divine vision. Our nation is as divided as it's been since the Civil War. Our world is divided. The climate of the planet is changing. It's getting worse because of the actions of humankind. War is destroying the Ukraine. China is building a military large enough and strong enough so that it can impose its will wherever it wants to. A North Korean dictator is building nuclear weapons instead of feeding his starving people. Israel is divided. The European Union is beginning to fracture. The world needs a new vision, and so do we as individuals in life. 
I've spent quite a bit of time over the last several weeks with about a half dozen people, and there's one thing that all of those people have in common. Their lives are bogged down with fear and regret. They can't seem to move forward in their lives because they're afraid that they might make the wrong choice for the future of their lives, and they have reason to be afraid of that because they've made the wrong choices in the past, and it's really messed things up, and they have regrets about the choices that they have made. The world needs a new vision, a vision that gives us courage and that gives us confidence in what we can do. There was a survey done in Canada very recently, and it was trying to, 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 to determine the attitudes of the Canadian people about a number of issues in life. That survey gave a lot of information to the government of Canada about things that they wanted to know, but there was one thing that they discovered in that survey that was an utter surprise to everybody that was behind it. The big surprise was that nearly 80% of the people of Canada said that it feels like there is something missing in our lives. Why is that significant? It's significant because 81% of Canadians don't go to church and they are not people of faith. The percentage of people in America that say they feel like there's something missing is not nearly as high as it is in Canada, but it has been growing steadily since the year 2000. And what's interesting is it's growing at exactly the same pace that church attendance is declining. That's not a coincidence, folks. People need a new vision that's born from a divine dream. Why? Because a divine dream always reveals the plans of God, and the plans of God always lead to hope. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Colin Dunwoody is an African-American pastor who pastors a thriving church that sits right in the middle of one of the poorest neighborhoods in Los Angeles and one of the most crime-ridden neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Sixty-two percent of his church have become Christians through the work of that church, and 84 percent of the church's members volunteer in the church's ministries that are spread out across that crime-ridden community. Somebody asked, asked Colin how he managed to get that many people to volunteer in the church's work, particularly when there was no place they were doing work that wasn't dangerous. Colin looked at them and he smiled and he said something was very revealing. He said, I hold a crown above my people's heads and I challenge them to grow into it. God has a plan. He has a dream and all of his people all of his people are included in that plan. That plan is to not only bring us the gift of hope, but it is to challenge us to become God's hope in the world. And the ironic part is the more we grow into God's dream, the more we discover God's plan for our lives. But the key is if you want to discover God's plan, you have to choose to discover God's plan. You have to choose to live into God's dream. You have to choose to follow God's dream in your life. Are we going to choose to follow what God wants us to follow, or are we just going to choose our own dreams for life? 
Today we're celebrating the Lord's Supper, and this meal was a call to Jesus' disciples to follow God's dream. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet because he wanted to make sure they understood that the new kingdom was going to be about serving and the new king was going to be a servant to the people. But Jesus was not naive when he washed his disciples' feet. He knew his disciples wanted to be the cabinet ministers of a new government, and he knew that they were about to fail. As soon as they discovered that their dream wasn't going to come true, that Jesus wasn't going to raise an army and go to war against the Romans, as soon as they discovered that the new kingdom was going to be different, then he knew that they were going to fail. But Jesus still believed in those people. He believed that they were going to change. He believed the resurrection itself was going to change those people. They were going to come to understand God's dream for their lives. And when they did, they were not only going to embrace God's dream, but they were going to embrace God's place in the world. They were going to embrace their place in God's plan. They were going to embrace their place in the hope of the world. That's why Jesus formed the Lord's Supper. This was the crown that Jesus was holding over people's heads. This was his challenge for the people. He wanted them to grow into God's dream, and he wanted them to understand that before they failed, before they messed up, before they ran away to hide when Jesus needed them the most, Jesus still believed in them. He believed that they were going to live into this dream. He was saying to them, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Remember that I still believed you were going to come back and accomplish what I believed you could accomplish. I believed that you were going to come back and that you were going to overcome your failures to become the dream of God. That dream is going to not only change your lives, but you're going to go into the world and you're going to bring God's dream to life. You're going to make it come true. The raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness. But the power of God was hovering over that darkness. And that power brought the light of the world to life. And it brought it to life again over death. And it can still do all of that if we'll choose to follow the light of heaven. Join me in the Sursum Corda that you will find in your bulletin. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we lift our voices with all of the company of heaven who forever Proclaim the glory of your name. On the night that he was handed over for suffering and death, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. A remembrance in the first century was more than just to remember what had occurred. It was to embody the values of the family that had gone before you and to live those out to the world. 
Today we are called to remember and to embody his grace and love. Let's take and eat together. After they had eaten their meal, Jesus took a cup and he blessed that cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that is given to you for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Holy God, I thank you for this meal that we have just eaten. Help us to remember that this is given to us for the forgiveness of sin, just as it was for those first disciples. You, O oh Lord, came to them before they failed and offered your forgiveness and your confidence. Help us, Holy Father, to look to you and to know that whatever our lives have been, whatever mistakes we'll make, you have already forgiven us and you believe in what we can become. You have a dream for our lives, Lord, and you want us to have a dream that honors your dream. Help us, O oh God. Help us to know you well. Help us to celebrate you and help us to hear you speak because we are called to speak you to the world. Make it so, Lord Jesus, for it is in your name we pray. Amen. If you've come here today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, particularly if you want to and you're not sure how, we'll be here waiting for you. And if you'll come, we'll help you with that. If you want to join our church and be on mission with us, we would love to have you. If you will come, we'll help you with that as well. As we leave this place, let's go into the world. Let's dream big dreams and let's believe that if God is for us, nothing can defeat us. And there is nothing before us but hope. And now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen.